I think corporations should be more vocal and supportive on the CVCs. And uh, we're very happy to have a CEO that is actually not only supporting the initiative, but has also been an ambassador for the initiative. So speaking internally and externally about the importance of the CVC and uh, how important it is for us, for the company, to be close to the startup ecosystem. Hello, and welcome to the Global Venturing Review podcast. I'm Fernando Moncada, and on today's episode, we're speaking with Rodrigo Gruner, Director of Innovation and New Business at Vivo, the Brazilian subsidiary of telecoms company Telefonica, which earlier this year launched its own CVC unit, Vivo Ventures. Gruner speaks about where Vivo Ventures fits within Telefonica's venturing ecosystem, alongside other units like Waira and Telefonica Ventures, and how its investment focus across areas like finance, healthcare, entertainment, and education bring value to its core telco platform, even if the CVC itself leaves aside the quote-unquote pure telco plays. He also talks about a host of other topics, such as Vivo Ventures' first ever investment in open finance platform Glavi, the regional features in Latin America, such as the underpenetration of financial products like credit cards that are driving growth in the CVC's focus areas, as well as how Latin American corporates are advancing in their innovation journeys. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe to the GVR podcast to keep up with each new show, and above all, enjoy the episode. So, Gruner, thank you so much for sparing some of your time and, and coming on today to, to speak to me. Really appreciate it. It's a pleasure, Fernando. Thank you for the invitation. Absolutely. So let, let's begin the way we always do on the show. Tell us a bit about yourself and, and your background and, and how you got into the CBC space. Sure. I'm Brazilian, as you probably can imagine. I work in Vivo. Vivo is the leading telco in Brazil. I'm very actually new to the CBC world. I've been with Vivo for almost nine years now, and I've worked in different areas from product to planning to other marketing functions. And recently, or more recently, before joining the innovation and corporate venture team, I was working with what we call in telco the value-added services world, which is a line of business that basically works with partners to add services to the offer of the telco. So working in that area, we actually started to think on what would be the future of Vivo and the value proposition of Vivo to its customers. And of course, it's still important for us. The vast line of business is important. We have, besides all the uh, partnerships that we, we had in the past, in the past few years, we developed partnerships with all the content providers, OTTs and others. So we can increase the number of services and, and the benefits that we can offer to our customers. But the company started to envision something that would go beyond that. That is the creation of an ecosystem of digital businesses, which is a bit different from simply selling or reselling content from, from others that, again, we will continue to do. It's very important for our customers to have the best offer of content or any other services, of course, with the connectivity. But Vivo started to develop this vision that we actually can go beyond connectivity, which is our core service, will be core 
for Vivo, for Telefonica. But we have this potential to add more value and to bring value to our customers by offering services that they can actually address some of the maybe biggest pains of the population in Brazil and at the same time create value for shareholders and for the company. So with this movement, with this vision of this business ecosystem or digital businesses ecosystem, we started two uh, movements. One was venture building effort. So we started to develop organically some businesses internally. Some of them are already launched. One, uh, it's a marketplace for health services in Brazil, digital marketplace that is already launched in Brazil. JV with a leading education group in Brazil in the education front for a, a, a company for people who are looking to be ready for the market, for the job market when they leave school and so on. So this was one of the big efforts that we had. And the other one actually is the CBC or was a, a decision to prioritize even more CBC. And then it's maybe it's important to go back a bit and tell about Telefonica. Telefonica has been investing in the ecosystem, in the innovation startup ecosystem for a long time now. So WIDA is the group initiative for open innovation. It's been in Brazil already for 12 years. And, uh, and so it's not something new for Telefonica or for Vivo to have a presence to be close to the innovation ecosystem, to the startup ecosystem in Brazil. But what we realized during all this process of envisioning the future business ecosystem of bringing new verticals to the offer of Vivo and, and, and trying to develop these businesses is that we had to have a stronger presence in the startup ecosystem in Brazil, in the innovation ecosystem in Brazil. And WIDA, the first fund, let's call it, so the first that WIDA has in Brazil is a fund that is focused in early stage, very early stage companies. So the challenge that we actually were facing is for the size of the challenge that we had and, and maybe the challenges that we had in some of these new businesses the check and, the, and the, uh, the investment check or the profile of the startups that we were bringing with the thesis of this first fund was actually connecting us to startups that were too early stage for the challenges that we had as a corporation. So the decision was, okay, it's very important to keep it because we still have to bet in the long term, we, we have to be close to the startups that eventually will become companies that will have the size and the and the potential to have the size to do business at a larger scale with Vivo. But we also need to be present in rounds that are actually later in the, in the process so we can connect with startups that are more mature, that are already in a, a higher or a be better moment for connecting with a corporation the size of Vivo. Vivo, just for you to have an idea, in Brazil, Vivo has more than 32,000 direct employees plus our partners. So we're maybe talking about more than 100,000 people <laughs> connected some way with Vivo. So it's a large corporation. Sometimes it's very hard for an entrepreneur, depending on the size of its company and the, the, the moment of the startup to be, to connect with Vivo and to do business with Vivo. 
And then we came with this decision to develop this second fund, which is uh, we are calling Vivo Ventures. And Vivo Ventures is for the Brazilian market. It's a series A, B fund. I say for the Brazilian market, because if you compare the checks of a series A round or series B round, of course, with the United States or other markets, probably you're going to find that rounds in Brazil are a bit smaller in dollars. But it's still for us. We are probably finding and we are finding companies that are again, in later stages of development compared to the ones that we had in the first fund in the early stage fund. Yeah, that's really interesting. And you mentioned a few things that I want to circle back to um, eventually, but you, you know, just just because maybe rounds in the States would be bigger doesn't mean that that Vivo Ventures is by any means a shabby player. I mean, it, it's, it's, you know, already, it's very young, but already one of the biggest funds of its kind in the country, you know, in, in Brazil. And, you know, you guys launched earlier this year in in the spring, well, our spring, it, it would have been, you know, autumn for, for you guys down in, in, in Brazil. But, you know, where, and you kind of touched on this already, but where exactly does Vivo Ventures fit? Or, or put another way, you know, obviously the, the conclusion was reached that it would be better to create another fund, you know, Vivo Ventures, you know, a purpose-built unit to invest in growth stage in Brazil. Why was that kind of, you know, the better option to, to go for as opposed to maybe expanding the remit of Waira, for example? Excellent question. First, important to say it's for Brazil. You're, you're right. It's uh, it's not a small CVC. So the total fund is a 320 million Brazilian reais, which is more or less 60 million dollars. And we have five years of investment, ten to seven years of this investment, and in, in, in this fund, our target is to find around maybe from 15 to 20 startups in the, in this period. And the way it fits, and answering to your question, the way it fits in Telefonica's CVC strategy, it's actually to bridge a gap between the early stage fund that we still have in WIDA and corporate initiatives from Telefonica that focus in actually later, even later stages of investment. So to give a, a complete view of the, the, the current strategy we have wider, which is uh, early stage. So investing, at least here in Brazil, in, in companies that are in seed or pre-seed rounds. Then now we have Vivo Ventures that is focused in series A and B or growth stage in Brazil. And we also launched as Telefonica Group in, in the beginning of the year. Uh, Telefonica announced that it was an LP in Leadwind, which is a new fund in Europe managed by KE Ventures. And Leadwind is focused in uh, much later stages. So uh, checks are much higher from what we actually have in Vivo Ventures. So now we have this, let's say, the, the pipeline, we can manage better the pipeline during, for example, the all, all stages of growth of, of a startup because we can get into the very early stage with the, the first fund from WIDA. We eventually can enter in a second or third round with Vivo Ventures. And if the startups get to a size where they are going maybe to a CD, E round, Leadwind, which is, again, Telefonica is an LP of this fund, will be probably the, the, the vehicle to, to, to enter. And then we make sure that we keep uh, some type of connection in all these stages of growth of the 
startups. The decision to build this way here in Brazil was basically to be closer to the market, which, which we thought was uh, extremely important. The startup market in Brazil and, and you, Fernando, maybe more than, 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 than anyone else knows, the, the VC market in Brazil is, is growing very fast. CBC more specifically is actually growing faster, I believe, in the past year or so than VC with everything that is happening in the, in the venture capital market. So we actually have a very interesting market and uh, I would say maybe not as mature, of course, as the United States or some countries of Asia, but Brazil is actually in a very good level of maturity in terms of entrepreneurs funds, managers, and et cetera. So it's important to be close to the market and have a team, a local team that actually knows not only the market, but also the people in the ecosystem and all so we can track the opportunities more closely. Because we have this team, why is already in Brazil? And this is interesting because our decision was to have the management team from WIDA to manage both funds. So this is the, the important part. So we make sure that there is a team dedicated to the early stage, a team dedicated to Vivo Ventures. But in the end, you have this understanding of both portfolios so you can connect them and see where the opportunities are. And at the same time, we can connect with the, the team in Spain very easily. And uh, if there's any opportunity that can eventually be interesting for Leadwin, it will be uh, shared. Interesting. And is... Um... Because Waira kind of takes care of the early stage stuff, do those companies that they've invested in form part of the pipeline for Vivo Ventures? It's the idea. That because we, we recently started, we haven't had any case yet. But the idea is that the portfolio from Waira, that the first fund from Waira that had been, I don't know, invested maybe a couple of years ago, eventually they will become leads for uh, investments from the second fund from Vivo Ventures. We know it's not a technically it's not a follow-on, but we're internally we're calling sometimes an opportunity for a follow-on. Maybe it's if it's from a different fund, it's the same corporation behind both funds. So the idea is that we keep connected to the entrepreneur and that we can continue doing business with them. Exactly. And and how is the fund itself structured? Is it like an, an evergreen structure, or is it you know three hundred and twenty over five years, but as as one kind of vehicle? in a 10-year vehicle or something? It's, a, it's one vehicle. It's a very specific, maybe, structure in Brazil. We call it, it's in Portuguese, I'm sorry, but it's called a FIP. It's basically a, an investment fund. It's a structure that is uh, regulated in Brazil. And it's a 98% Vivo Capital and, and 2% uh, from WIDA, basically Spain Capital. So basically it's 100% corporate money. So it's a fund that is basically Telefonica and Vivo, and it's located, regulated in Brazil, located in Brazil. And so we are basically following all the regulation, local regulation for, for, for the fund. And the reason why we chose so, some companies in Brazil and other CVCs are doing offshore funds, but because they are looking for investments abroad in other countries, from, from other countries, which is not our case. Our main focus is for startups in Brazil. 
So it wouldn't make sense for us to invest or the cost of having an offshore fund, the management costs, et cetera, would not make sense. So that's why we decided to have this local structure because basically we're looking for opportunities in the country. Makes sense. And then let's talk about those kind of focus areas, right? So as, as you mentioned before, your eye kind of goes far beyond just connectivity or the kind of core telco business. I mean, you're looking at areas, as you mentioned, you know, marketplace, healthcare, finance, entertainment, education, even, you know, how adjacent do startups have to be to Vivo's core business in order to be seen as kind of strategically relevant for an investment? We are looking for opportunities in areas where Vivo is betting on these new businesses. But of course, they have to make sense for the platform. So when, when I say platform, is this uh, ecosystem of businesses. So w- what I mean by that, as I mentioned, we just launched digital health platform. We are not operating in health. So we are not a hospital. We will not be a hospital. Our, our job there is to connect customers, users to health services. So it's basically a digital marketplace business. So the, the profile of startups that we are looking, for example, on the health vertical is not biotech. We're, we're not going to be developing new medicines or new procedures, medical procedures and etc. So what we look there uh, on this example is for startups that can actually add value to the marketplace, to the platform, health platform that we are using to serve our customers, our base of customers, or solutions that can enable this platform. So probably happens the same in other countries, but in Brazil, there's a huge fragmentation of health data. You have uh, information maybe in one doctor that you went, and then you have some of your medical information in the hospital, and then you have some of the medical information in the clinic that you visited a few years ago, and your exams are in one place, and etc. So for this reason, there's a lot of startups in Brazil that are working to try to solve this issue. So how do I create this common database of information? It's a bit different from... I don't know, from United Kingdom, for example, where we have an HS, and I believe you probably have a more thorough database of medical records, I hope. In Brazil, it's, it's very different. So you, you don't have this information here in one place. So this is one of the types of probably startups that we would look, or, or technology that can enable and can help to develop this solution that we, we have placed, which is maybe not necessarily medical solution, but technology that enables these services that we are providing. And the same happens for the other verticals. We are looking into health, education, financial services, and the smart home in the first moment. But of course, we also have the flexibility to invest in tech startups that can help either the core or the new businesses to more efficient or more scalable. And, and then, of course, there's a lot of flexibility there. It could be the startups that work with a blockchain to uh, maybe help us find better ways of serving our customers or reducing costs or being more efficient in our core business. It could be data AI companies. As you know, telcos are, have huge repositories of data and, and, uh, and we have a lot of initiatives on this front as well. So. There's a lot of opportunity. The four first focus are these verticals that I mentioned, health, education, financial services, and, and the smart home. 
And to that end, I mean, you guys made your first investment last month, right, into Clavi, which is like a a SaaS open finance platform. Can you tell me a bit more about that? Exactly. We're very happy with that. It was our first investment. And and it's a good example to reinforce the your 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 previous question. So what is the focus and why Clavi? And maybe it's uh, it's, it's a good example. Clavi, it's an open banking, as you mentioned, it's an open banking startup in Brazil. They, they are focused on financial services. Usually, they would be probably the target, and uh, as they were in the first rounds of investment, uh, financial services companies. Brazil is very fast moving to a new regulation in the financial market by the central bank. And basically all the financial institutions, if they're not, they will have to be compliant with it op- with the open banking uh, legislation in Brazil very soon. It's already happening and, and it's going to be working for everyone. And so for us, the, the, the investment is important in Clave and, and the partnership with Clave is important for, for two reasons. One, because we, we do have initiatives and businesses in that are related to financial services. So we have one business that is credit fintech. It's called Vivo Money. We basically lend money to our customers and we use data, of course, with the allowance opt-in and all the approvals from the, the, the user, but we use data, telco data, to improve the scoring so we can have better interest rates for our customers. So this is the first business. And the second one, it's a wallet or a digital account that right now is focused for uh, prepaid customers. Brazil, the, the banking and credit card penetration in Brazil is very low, as probably a lot of people already know. And there, we're, of course, not trying to compete with New Bank or, or, or PicPay or the big fintechs in Brazil. But it's a way in the strategy of the ecosystem. It's a way of bringing more services to our customers. So in this case, we have the wallet for prepaid customers where they have benefits, for example, for topping up through the wallet. They have more gigas. They, they have more benefits for, for being a Vivo customer. So the first, of course, interest uh, or the first uh, objective in uh, partnering with Clavi is, of course, to improve the services, the offer from credit for the credit business and the services in the wallet. But the second reason is we believe that we can provide better services to our customers if we have a better use of the data that we have inside the company. And we have the data. Of course, we have some knowledge on how to use data. Using all the data that we have in our company to maybe offer better services for our customers, to provide not only in the connectivity side, but on the other services that we have, the best offer that we can have, or maybe change a bit what we are offering. And Clavi is expert in developing models and working with data. So this was the, 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 the main two objectives that we have with them. And I think the most important is we, we not only believe in the investment, because we, we really believe that Clavi has a huge potential in Brazil. In the moment that Brazil market, the Brazilian market is, is, is going through, we really believe that their business model is going to get traction very soon. But we are already partnering with them to implement some of their solutions within Vivo. And that's where the, the C of the CVC part comes in. We're not looking 
of course, purely for financial returns on the investments that we are doing. And Clive is a good example. Uh, we just finished the investment and we started a POC, a POC with them for some of the solutions they offer to the market within Vivo. So we can try to, to develop business inside Vivo. Yeah, certainly. I mean, there's, there seems to be overlap with, with, if you look at an investment like Clavi with, I don't know if business units is the right term, but you know, you have Vivo Money, as you mentioned, Vivo Pay as well, you guys have. And then if you look at marketplaces, you got Vivo Shopping, uh, Healthcare, you know, Vida V, and even some joint ventures, you know, Anima recently with, with you know, in the, educa- in the education space. How do you envision, you know, Vivo Ventures interacting with those elements of Vivo? Vivo Ventures is, for us, it's, we understand. It's a long-term play, so of course we we do not we do not expect to necessarily have all the portfolio companies from Vivo Ventures solving short-term problems eventually from all these uh, verticals, all the companies that we are building here that you mentioned. But but it, it plays a critical role exactly because it bridges this gap between the short-term and what we are trying to build in in the long run. For us, it's uh, again, it's a way of connecting with the startups. And, and when I say connect, it's in the broader sense. It, it goes from knowing more about the market, helping the, these startups to grow, of course. And, and this is one of the first conversations that we probably have with all these startups. Of course, they're looking for the money from Vivo, but they are looking for the 60 million customers base that we have for the digital channels, for all. The capacity that we may have to help them grow their businesses, but we also look for partnerships, for concrete partnerships with them. Some of those may happen in in the short term, as Clavi, that is already uh, started to happen. But we believe that in some cases it will be a, a bet. So some of the opportunities that we are analyzing right now, they probably are not going to be commercial deals. I don't know in the first two, three, six months. But I'm pretty sure that in one year, those will be companies that will be doing businesses with Vivo, either complementing the offer that we have in, in these new verticals. So maybe service, a health service that will complement Vida V, as you mentioned, or other company that will help in the, in the financial services. But some of those probably will be connected to the Vivo ecosystem some way, even sometimes uh, selling to our customers or connected to our, our sales platform here some way. Telecoms is obviously a huge industry and a very mature one. So it's natural to see its growth kind of plateau over time. How interested are you in investing in the pure telco startups? And, and where do you see the main drivers in that industry at the moment? It's, it's a different play for us. So if you take the, I'll call it tools for the lack of a better better word here but uh, if, if we see the cvc as one tool the more pure telco place probably will be mnas because as you said uh, the telco market it's not a market that is growing exponentially as it did in, in the first years of maybe the year 2000 around the 90s and 2000 so it's a, it's a more mature market even in brazil that is a uh, brazil it's less let's say mature than the United States, for example, or some countries in Europe. But literally everyone in Brazil has a cell phone and broadband coverage is actually very good. The biggest opportunity that the country has right now, it's on fiber. So the, the high-speed broadband coverage, it's growing fast. But then 
it's it, it maybe doesn't make sense to have a venture capital bet on something that it's already a certainty. So you have to grow and, and you have to grow coverage. So probably M&A will be a better option on this case than, than CVC. What about for up and coming technologies in the telco space? Say, you know, IoT, 5G, that kind of thing. I mean, obviously you're already, I suppose, indirectly focused on the technologies that 5G enables, right? But in the in the 5G core itself, is that is that a different kind of play? It's not our focus on this fund, but uh, we have other initiatives that we use to try to get in touch with those. So just to give an example, we are an LP in a IoT fund in Brazil with Qualcomm and Benidassi, which is a local development bank in Brazil. Our portfolio of funds, let's say, our portfolio of initiatives in open innovation goes beyond the, the Vivo Ventures exactly because of that. We couldn't have every single area of opportunity under, under the same fund, so we tried to invest in different ways. And the same way as Telefonica does in other countries, so not only in Brazil. So you can have maybe wider looking for more long-term technologies, uh, maybe investing in early-stage startups, but technologies that will become more ubiquitous in the future. At the same time, you have bigger, larger funds like the Vivo Ventures or Lidwin in, in Spain, betting in, in technology that is already maybe proven or businesses that are large enough to do businesses with Telefonica and, and Vivo. Mm-hmm. And speaking of, of of Brazil for a second, how have you seen the kind of the trajectory of corporate innovation or, or open innovation in the country kind of advance over the last several years? And, and where do you see it going in the next several years? From, from what I see, we are maybe in a stage where maybe the United States were, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago in terms of corporate innovation. Generally speaking, of course, you will always find very good examples of companies that started a long time ago to connect with the open innovation ecosystem, of course. But I mean, in terms of number and size of the investments, we started to see probably wave of CVCs coming uh, a new, let's say a second wave coming in the past two years, maybe, or less. So I think it's an excellent moment. Probably we didn't expect, everyone knew that something was not, uh, let's say, uh, hard. It's it's very, very easy to speak in hindsight, but we knew in 2021 that something was not exactly right with the valuations in the VC. No, they, they went a bit wild all over the place for sure. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> everyone knew, but uh, the, the, only, the only question was when this was going to stop. So because of a lot of a lot of corporations didn't have uh, maybe the knowledge or uh, the, the, the sensitivity of the moment, they started to invest or create the CVCs. In the end, I think we we're kind of lucky because we didn't make any investment when multiples were extremely high. And uh, now we are starting to negotiate and in, in maybe in a moment where multiples came back to a normal or I'm not sure if normal is the word, but maybe to a, a more friendlier or rational... Friendlier, a friendlier place. Yeah. Which I think <laughs> it's good. If, if you compare the number of 
CVCs that we had maybe two, three years ago in Brazil, the number that we have right now, plus the others that are being launched as we speak in the next months, the market in Brazil is booming in terms of uh, investment. And, 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 and I think it's very good for the country. Until recently, most of the money was coming from funds that were international funds, Tiger, SoftBank, so all the big funds from abroad. And because of that, startups, entrepreneurs, other investors like us sometimes would have to follow, of course, the money rules. So if I'm an American fund, if I'm an Asian fund, I say the rules on where your company is going to be listed or where your company is going to be, for example. That's why we have in Brazil so many startups from Brazil in Cayman or in Delaware in the United States. They have structures there because they wanted to attract investments from international funds that would prefer to invest through Cayman or invest through Delaware. In the moment that you have more money coming from Brazilian companies, Brazilian funds, you tend to change this this pattern. So I believe more and more we are going to have startups in Brazil invested and with a structure, simpler structures that are more open to other Brazilian investors. And I think this is going to create a very good movement for the market to grow in Brazil, for the VC market to grow in Brazil and not only depend on the investment from international investors. I think they will continue to happen as soon as this moment, maybe the, the worst moment of the crisis passes. I think, of course, this will happen again. Every day we, we read news about how confident funds are in Brazil and the market and, and startups in Brazil. But I think one of the good sides, if there's any of this moment that we just went through, is that it, it promoted the creation of this more local, let's say, source of, of funding that we didn't have maybe, maybe before. What would you say are the region-specific factors in Latin America, such as the underpenetration of credit cards or other banking services, as you mentioned, that you can capitalize on with Vivo Ventures? I would say that Brazil in general, and again, I'm one speaking and probably there's more people and people with more knowledge than I in Brazil. What I can say is Brazil in general for for startups and for the ecosystem, it's not a hard tech environment usually. Not that we don't have examples. We do have some hard tech startups, but in general, it's more startups focused on digital platforms that can scale in a country with more than 210 million people that extremely connected. So even though the average income in Brazil, of course, is much lower than countries like North America or in Europe, we are a very connected society. So we probably have the highest penetrations of Facebook, WhatsApp, and other social networks. So you you kind of have the both worlds. So you you have a large country with a large number of people that have cell phones and they like to be online all the time and connected. So that's where you open the space for a new bank or for a gym pass or for a 99 that was purchased by Didi many years ago. It's a competitor to Uber in Brazil. Most of the unicorns in Brazil, of the first unicorns in Brazil, were actually have kind of head of kind of these characteristics. Now we are seeing the wave of the B2B SaaS businesses that, that they are already growing and have bigger valuations. In terms of opportunities, what we are looking is Brazil in general is a very regulated country in all aspects. 
So if, if you look to insurance market, it's something that we are looking, it's very regulated. If you look to health, very regulated, education, uh, telcos. So in general, Brazil is, is not a very easy place for doing businesses. So I think this is the first challenge that either entrepreneurs who are starting in Brazil or investors who are trying to invest in Brazil face from the, the taxes in Brazil that are a nightmare to the time you take to open your company in Brazil, all the bureaucratic steps that you have to take to have a, a to have your company running in Brazil, it creates friction and it's against. But on the other hand, the opportunity is so big, and you can see by the the examples that we have here in Brazil that we really believe that there are opportunities. Still, uh, there are opportunities. So I would say that right now, what we're looking for is. Exactly that. So companies that either are engaging in a moment of the market that is becoming more open than it was before. So financial market is one, but it's already gone. If you see the size of the fintechs in Brazil, you, you notice that because it's a movement, deregulation movement that started many years ago. The same is happening with insurance. The insurance market is in Brazil is going to a deregulation path as well. So a bit later, but it's going. And in other markets, we have maybe not exactly the same situation, but you have changes that are happening in the environment that are promoting this. So telemedicine was not allowed in Brazil until the pandemic, just to give an example. Now it is allowed. So it, it created an environment for the creation of many health techs that are now becoming bigger companies, but maybe two years ago were very small because they didn't have the regulatory context where they could operate properly. Now they can. So th th this is happening in, uh, in, in many sectors. And of course, we are following this and, and betting in companies that are starting to grow in these environments. Well, following from that, you know, what, what, does the, what does the future hold for Vivo Ventures? You know, what, what are you looking forward to? As I mentioned before, Vivo Ventures is a, is a key component of the ecosystem, business ecosystem strategy for Vivo. So on one hand, we, we will focus in developing and using all the tools that we have, either organic or inorganic, to grow businesses in the, in the new verticals that we are betting. And on the other hand, Vivo Ventures for us is the key to keep us close to what's happening, what's new in all these verticals. But at the same time, it's key for us to find partners that we can engage right now to support their businesses or companies and or companies that will also help us develop these verticals that we are building. So we are very excited about what's coming. I think we, we're in a very good moment in Brazil. I would say that probably the uh, in our case, the, the the worst moment of the crisis has passed and uh, in, in, in a broad sense, not only for the VC market, but also for the economy in Brazil. So we are very optimistic for the next years. Great. And then just before I let you go, just one final question that we ask every guest on the show. And that is, you know, what, in your opinion, do you feel that corporates can do better or do more of to support their CVCs and the wider kind of innovation ecosystem? I think we are a good example of what I'm going to say. I think corporations should be more vocal and supportive on the CVCs. And uh, we, are, we are very happy to have a CEO that is actually not only 
supporting the initiative, but he's also been an ambassador for the initiative. So speaking internally and externally about the importance of the CVC and how important it is for us, for the company to be close to the startup ecosystem. So I think this, for, for me, it's maybe the, the biggest recommendation or if, 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 if it helps anything, any suggestion for any corporation is to have its senior leadership engaged and uh, w- working uh, with the CBC and or the Open Innovation Initiative. Oh, yeah. I mean, that, that, that certainly makes a huge difference. And I look forward to seeing, you know, what you guys do in the coming months and, and years with that big war chest you guys have. So, Gruner, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Really appreciate you taking the time and best of luck to you. Thank you again, Fernando. Bye-bye. That's it for this episode of the Global Venturing Review. Thanks again to Gruner for joining us today and thank to all of you for tuning in. If you found the episode interesting, go ahead and like, share, and subscribe to the podcast to never miss another one. You can tune in on your podcast platform of choice, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or anywhere else. I have been Fernando Moncada. Our sound engineer is Mark Chatterley from In-Ear Production, whose great work you can check out at inearproduction.com. And our music is by Kevin McLeod and a Creative Commons license. We'll be back again soon, as always. Until then, have a great week. Mm-hmm.